The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, speaking to you on this November 29th, 2016. Um, I'd like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy and Tech Stocks and... I am in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes a very excellent newsletter as well called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And you can sign up for both those letters by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com, or you can call our office here in New York during regular work hours at 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. do want to encourage you to continue sending along your questions, criticisms, praises, and complaints, whatever you'd like to, uh, any feedback from you that the listening audience is always welcome. Uh, I can't always answer those uh, those uh, those questions, but uh, I do appreciate them and they are helpful, a helpful input in terms of what uh, our listeners want to hear. I do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are Novo, Novo Resources, Klondike Gold, RN Resources, RN Resources, and Arion Phosphate. I was happy to meet up with uh, several of the listeners from this show uh, at the Metals and Investor Forum back in, uh, on the 12th and 13th of November. Now, three of my current sponsors, uh, Novo Resources, Klondike, and Aron, uh, were speaking at that conference, were presenting at that conference, and you can listen to those presentations now. If you go to miningstocks.com, you can, uh, you'll see the links on the homepage. Just simply click on any of those. Uh, all of those, and listen to the presentations that were uh, that were made there in Vancouver back on the 12th and 13th of November. Also, in addition to those three sponsors, uh, Golden Predator, I believe, is going to be a sponsor's pretty a sponsor pretty soon to this show. Another favorite of mine. You can also listen to the presentation that Golden Predator made, a very high grade gold deposit that they are uncovering in the Yukon. I also would like to uh, note that there are some. Uh, speeches of other newsletter writers at the conference, uh, mine uh, as well. 
but uh, Gwen Preston, who was uh, at, uh, who has been on this show, Eric Coffin, Jordan Roy Byrne, a technical analyst, had some really interesting things to say. John Kaiser, and Joe Mazumder. Uh, you can listen to those talks that were also presented at the Metals Investor Forum, and that's uh, just simply go to miningstocks.com. The second section of links, uh, you'll see those uh, those individuals mentioned there. Just click on those links, and you can listen to those. Uh, to those discussions that they made. So even though you weren't able to be there, uh, you'll be able to listen to all those discussions and many more as well uh, besides those that I just mentioned. I would also like to point out uh, to you that, uh, again, that there's lots of other very important economic and geopolitical articles, uh, links to those articles that are at uh, miningstocks.com. And one in particular I think is really worth looking at and that is uh, that is one that was written by Bill Bonner. Uh, it's um, why you need uh, the art. The title of the article is recommended uh, is um, real money. Why you need it now by Bill Bonner. Real money. Why you need it now. I, I would especially uh, suggest you go to Mining Stocks. Click on that link. Uh, read that article. Uh, there is a, an excellent chart in there that shows the volatility of gold. Uh, especially it really broke loose after Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1971. Ever since then, having gold in your portfolio has been a very good thing. Now, I'm not saying have only gold in your portfolio, but to have some, especially at certain times like now, uh, it really makes a lot of sense. And I think if you take a look at that chart, you'll really understand why. Um, David Stockman uh, no longer makes his his uh, missives publicly available you have to subscribe to read what david has to say every day and i do subscribe and i do read what david has to say almost every day i just can't say enough about uh, all that that he has to say i don't know of anybody who is uh, that is more honest and has more integrity and understanding and knowledge of the budget process and uh, the mess that america has gotten itself into because of its financial um, so, let's say promiscuity with the Federal Reserve. I would just—I uh, I had some hope, a faint glimmer of hope, perhaps that uh, Donald Trump might just do some brave new things and really uh, prescribe the medicine that's required to fix our economy. Well, uh, I'm, I'm very quickly losing my hope uh, that anything very good is going to come because it seems as though Mr. Trump is. Uh, just finding another way to to ease back into the uh, the same old same old. David Stockman wrote on November 28th an article why Trumponomics will not help fly over America, and uh, he points out that in fact uh, everything is looking as if uh, Mr. Trump is doing things the same way he has always done them. Uh, just to quote David here. He says, Donald Trump is getting some extremely bad advice from his economic team. The path of protectionism and mega-fiscal stimulus they are recommending will not help fly over America, where left-behind citizens in their tens of millions voted to impeach the Wall Street-Washington ruling elites on November 8th. Trumponomics, in its current form, Will, uh, will only provoke a fiscal bloodbath in the imperial city and a ferocious return of the bond market vigilantes on Wall Street. More importantly, when the current mania in the stock market ends in a thundering crash and economic recession next year, Trumponomics would leave the nation with absolutely no way forward or explanation for the catastrophe that will then ensue. 
In a word, the nation's economy has ground to a halt owing to a massive explosion of debt and to a central bank addicted to enabling more and more of it by manipulation and falsification of interest rates and all, all other financial asset prices, especially stocks and bonds. And this, I think, is to be underscored. He said, the resulting deformations have now gone so far that there is no way to restart the engines of capitalist prosperity without first taking the cure. That is, without a sweeping liquidation of excessive debt and rampant malinvestments and the, de- and the rebasing of financial asset prices to much lower levels that can be supported by sustained incomes rather than Wall Street speculation and C-suite financial engineering. It would not be hard to lance the boil and to launch on a new path back to capitalist prosperity and economic liberty, David said. Uh, President-elect Trump only needs to demand that Janet Yellen and Stanley Fisher, chair and vice chair of the Fed, respectively, have their resignations on his desk by inauguration day. Uh, And then he goes on to say that we would need to put a new list of people in charge of the financial uh, the financial machinations of the United States, the policies, if you will. Jim Grant would be at the top of the list, and I would certainly agree with that. Jim Grant, a 35-year proprietor of Grant's interest rate observer, uh, he definitely understands free market economics, and that is what we have to do. If we're going to ever get back to a prosperous economy, we're going to have to allow capitalism to work, and you have to allow price discovery of capital in order for it to work, because what's been happening is we've been loading debt on top of debt and malinvestment on top of malinvestment, so your debt doesn't go away, but there's no income to service it, or the income continues to decline relative to the debt, so we keep digging ourselves into a deeper and deeper hole. I had hoped that maybe uh, with some references to gold and some uh, brave, uh, strong statements by Mr. Trump, there might be a change, but it isn't looking very much like it right now as he starts to pull his cabinet together. It looks to me like more of the same old, same old. Stockman went on in his article to talk about how his boss, Ronald Reagan, uh, had in fact lanced the boil, or at least allowed uh, Paul Volcker to do so. Volcker came in, and I remember it so vividly as a young man, uh, we, uh, he, he ushered in or put his brakes on the uh, creation of money and interest rates were allowed to go where they had to go, where the free market would take them. And my first mortgage was a 17.5% mortgage with 16% treasury bill rates. And that set the stage for a couple of decades of growth and prosperity, the likes of which uh, we hadn't seen uh, since uh, perhaps the 1930s. It was a very good time. Well, the 1950s and 1960s were pretty good as well. Uh, but the 70s were horrible because we, after Nixon took us off the gold standard because we printed endless amounts of debt-based money, and that set the stage for huge problems. Unfortunately, I wished I could be uh, more positive about things, but I don't see, I don't see personally, and, and certainly David Stockman doesn't see the chances uh, that Mr. Trump is going to make any meaningful changes uh, in the economy that's going to help the people that voted him into office. Well, so that leads us to the question then, what is the true agenda of Donald Trump? And that is really the topic of today's show. William Engdahl and Michael Oliver uh, will return. Uh, Both of these gentlemen are frequent guests on this show. Presidential candidate Trump appeared to be on the side of America's downtrodden white middle class, 
offering to bring jobs back from overseas and he's going to you know he's going to talk um, companies into not leaving and try to bring companies back one, one way or another he lambasted china though blaming them for taking jobs away and of course he lambasted our trade policy people as well and wants to take away tpp and uh, other uh, trade so-called trade agreements which i have no problem with but uh, to blame China and, and not to look inwardly at our monetary system, it seems to me, is really not going to help very much. But, you know, while Trump really lambasted China, he seemed to, you know, say and suggest that, well, somehow maybe we can get along with, uh, with Mr. Putin. So what is that all about? Well, Engdahl, uh, William Engdahl, historian, uh, he's going to be with us at about a half past the hour. He'll, I think he'll provide his unique perspective on what he believes is Trump's true agenda. Very interesting, based on an article I read that he just wrote. It looks as though he thinks it's a divide and conquer uh, policy, essentially, that's being formed and put into place, and that maybe, uh, maybe the deep state isn't all that unhappy about Donald Trump being our president. Maybe the powers behind the throne actually... Uh, engineered it. At least that's the uh, the idea that I get in reading Engdahl's missive uh, of yesterday or the day before. So, what might that really mean for gold? What might that mean for our investments overall? Uh, for our freedom, our liberties? All those are questions, of course, of paramount importance. Uh, well, we'll seek um, seek to talk to um, William uh, at about half past the hour, as I said, about uh, about these issues in the longer run. Meantime, we're going to talk to Michael Oliver as soon as we come back from the commercial break uh, to find out uh, on a more near-term basis what he thinks uh, about some of those markets that are bound to be impacted by the policies or perhaps the lack of policies coming forth from a Trump administration. Well, don't go away. We've got to go to break. But when we come back, Michael Oliver will be with us. business you'll find the experts here voice america business network foreign resources is a canadian-based gold exploration company focused on the company's flagship committee bay project located in northern canada one of the best mining jurisdictions in the world the company's current resource outlined by drilling thus far stands at 1.1 million ounces of gold at over eight grams per ton Orin is operated by the same team that founded Asanko Gold, which is constructing a major gold mine in West Africa, and Caden Resources, which was recently purchased in November for over $200 million. Novo Resources focuses on the exploration and development of gold projects. Its flagship asset is the Beaton's Creek Gold Project in Western Australia, where it is currently processing a 30,000-ton bulk sample. Novo also controls 100% interest in the Blue Speck Gold Antimony Project, where it is conducting a 10,000-meter drill program. The company has over $7 million in cash and enjoys strong shareholder support from the likes of Eric Sprott and Newmont Mining. It trades in Canada and the U.S. under the symbols NVO and NSRPF respectively. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're 
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have with me once again, as almost every week, uh, Michael Oliver is with me. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Oh, happy to be here, Jay. Always good to have you here, and we always should tell our listeners that your website is olivermsa.com, olivermsa.com. Go there to learn more about Michael's work, and uh, if you uh, are an accredited investor, um, a serious investor, you may want to consider signing up for his letter. Uh, Michael, yesterday uh, you showed your subscribers a, a, a chart that looked pretty interesting on nat gas, natural gas. I mean, natural gas has not been some place you'd want to be long on, uh, a market you'd want to be long in for some time, but it uh, is looking like a breakout, huh? Well, actually, we we registered a breakout in June as it uh-huh. came back up through two forty, two dollars forty cents. Uh-huh. Um, and we had an objective of three fifty. Now these are all numbers that are pretty low historically for natural gas, so it's not a big yeah. deal. But that's a forty five percent move, mm-hmm. and uh, we're toying with getting to three fifty now. So uh, mm-hmm. that was a trade. It was a um, uh, positive direction for natural gas. And I think natural gas will go higher in the long run. But right now we're just looking to take that bite. Uh, you know, you buy it at two forty and you sell it at three fifty, and you get forty five percent. And some people like to get that, you know, over a period of five years in the stock market. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if it can get there, it will have done it since June. So uh, it's very close right now. Uh, well, it, well. What uh, speaking of the stock market, uh, what are the chances of getting some kind of a return like that going forward? Uh, the uh, I, I I think nil. Uh, <laughs> I, if you drop well today, let's say. Uh, the low today was twenty two of uh, just below twenty two hundred. Uh-huh. Uh, that puts it about four percent higher than it was uh, two years ago. <laughs> so you put that in perspective. And if, yeah. if you drop four percent, you're back to where you were two years ago. That's back under yeah. twenty one hundred. Uh, uh, the stock market S and P. Let's let's narrow it down to that one, which is highly unrepresentative of other developed market indices. By the way, uh, gold and T bonds all seem to be very linked. Uh, especially on the near-term basis. And we've had a lot of reports on this. Uh, T-bonds and gold are in sympathy. They both got whacked recently. And they both look to me, uh, to our work, like they're ready to turn up again. And I think that will be coincident with the stock downturn. And so if you invert all the momentum studies that we do of gold and bonds and flip them over or put them in a mirror, you're going to see an S&P oscillator. It's <laughs> what we're saying. And so I think that's where we are right now. We're in a, We're trying to... Top stocks, bottom T-bonds, and bottom gold. And I think the rally that could come out of those uh, t- two markets, T-bonds and gold, could be pretty sharp. Uh, in the case of T-bonds, I don't think it's sustainable. I think it could be very sharp because I think T-bonds are now a bear market, mm-hmm. meaning higher yields. But they have room for about a 10-point rally, in my view, which is a horrendous big rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're short, based on long-term stuff, you've got to be careful. We warned our subscribers about that, that we're, though we're bearish, there could be a very sharp rally, and that would fit with a sharp stock sell-off. In the case of gold, it's different. The pullback is within the context of a longer-term bull market, not in the context of a new bear market. I don't agree with the widening chorus of analysts, mostly Wall Street types, uh, 
who think we're headed back down to the lows again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the dollar has confused them. The dollar punched out above a pair of highs, a dollar index we're speaking of here, that had been at 100 and 100. It was in early 2015 and again uh, early this year. Mm-hmm. We punched out, as we, we expected in our reports, by a few points, got to 102. Mm-hmm. Right now it's back under 101, slipping off again. Uh, our view is that that breakout was probably false. It was probably a bull trap. And that if next year, which is to say 20-some-odd trading days from now, if that dollar index is down at 98.5, it's over. Uh, we think that there could be a, a big bear market in the dollar. Uh, now, that would we're seeing the reverse type of situation in the euro and the yen, which are the two most weighted currencies in the dollar index. So uh, the yen recently had a sharp break, so did the euro as the dollar went up. But we think all those recent moves in those three markets were not the real move. They were false moves. Now, that would, of course, if if we're we're right on that, if the dollar has, in fact, made a false, quote, price chart breakout and falls back into the high 90s again uh, and breaks down hard at that point, uh, that would, of course, assist gold. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you you mentioned, uh, I think, 98.50 for the dollar on the index. If, Mm -hmm. uh, again, when you, you come up with these numbers, you know, prices for for different uh, different markets, but underlying that is always a momentum, correct? Uh, the, your momentum work, right? So, yes. for example, words, I yeah. you, so for it's example, not a we go to, If you look at a price chart, that may not mean much. Yeah, right. But when you look at an annual momentum chart measuring the dollar index, let's say against right. a thirty-six month average or three-year average, you're breaking a trend line that goes back years. So you're breaking so a structure. You're, you're breaking through the bottom of the yeah. floor, essentially. Uh, that says, whoops, uh, I just fell through the floor and there's nothing to catch me for a while. Correct. Yeah. So, for example, um, you know, a really good guy, a good analyst, I think, but based on price, he's looking at gold. Uh, he made the statement a couple of weeks ago that if we break 1200 he said, look out, we're probably going to be heading for a round trip, meaning that we'll go back to the lows that we had before this breakout, before this Major move, I guess. Two thousand and uh, what? What did we have? Two thousand fifteen was pretty nasty. We were uh, in the ten forties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so he's he's looking for a, for a return, a return trip. He says a double bottom, and he's bullish longer term. But he says that's where it's going now. He doesn't look at the momentum, uh, structural momentum type of analysis that you do. He he's I think he's looking at just price. So he doesn't mm-hmm. see it. Well, I, yeah. you know, I re- respect it, and, uh, but uh, I, I do momentum work, and momentum tends to uh, cut down on error, <laughs> put it that way. Uh, price yeah. charts are often misleading, why, uh, partly because everybody sees them. And if everybody yeah. sees it, you know, Joe Granville had the famous quote, if it's obvious, it's obviously wrong. Yeah. Uh, and when a price chart is clear to everybody, who just glances at a price chart in a financial newspaper and draws a little line with their crayon, uh, it can't always be valid, because if it were, we'd all be rich, right? Right. Oh, okay, that's so, right. You know, sometimes the trend line breakouts you see are crossing some mo- favorite moving average. It's just noise. <clears throat> and so we look at the gold on various time scales of measurement, uh, but in particular on annual and quarterly momentum, which is to say long-term momentum, uh, this is a pullback in a bull trend, Period. You've not broken anything other than you scared the heck out of the price chart, folks. Mm-hmm. But in terms of destroying the integrity of the positives that were generated in February when gold came up through 1140 and broke out on annual momentum, 
you've not done anything to offset that. You've mm-hmm. had a sharp pullback, but uh, natural gas you mentioned a while ago, for example, we had that buy at 240, it went up to 330, and it pulled all the way back to 255. <laughs> that's a huge percent drop. I mean, you measure from yeah. 330 back to 255. That's probably bigger than the gold drop we just had. But in a matter yeah. of two weeks, natural gas is back making a new high. Mm. Oh. So, you know, so, price can be very deceptive. Yeah, and and but the structure kept you in there and kept you long, and but, but, even though it might not have felt good, hang in there, right? Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Well, when do you think, Michael, we might see some separation? You said the bonds and gold are trading together. Uh, you, you know, it would seem to me that if we were heading into some sort of an inflationary environment, you would see possibly gold in a bull market and bonds in a bear market. That's right. I agree with that. And I, I think you will. I think all we have pending in the T-bond market, T-bond futures we look at, uh, when they go up, that means yield goes down. They've had a horrendous drop over the last few months from in the 70s, uh, 170s down into the low 150s. Big drop. Uh, right now we're about 153, 154. I wouldn't surprise me to see 160 again. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the low, that's a big rally. But it's yeah. just a, it's a short covering rally. It might be the type of rally that would be associated with a shop, uh, uh, a stock market sell-off that sparks mm-hmm. again flight to safety. Uh, and I think it's the kind of rally in T-bonds you want to short. But right now I think the potential for that rally is pretty good. Uh, as, as big as that sounds, it really doesn't get it back anywhere near the highs. It doesn't alter the damage that was done because our sell signal came at the 166 level. So rallying back to 160, while it's a nice, nice rally, it doesn't, doesn't even threaten the original entry level on the downside. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to, it's just like the gold sell-off now. You know, is it really bearish or is it just a sharp sell-off in an uptrend? The same can be said about a T-bond rally. Now, where do I think they'll separate? Uh, to some extent, I think they already have, except on a short-term basis, they're linked. Mm-hmm. But I would mm-hmm. suspect if bonds will get that rally and get up into the high 150s or 160, at about that point in time, bonds should then roll over again, and I bet that it then separates from gold mm-hmm. after having had that rally. Yeah. Well, that's just it would uh, it would certainly make a lot of sense if if it went that way. Do you? So you're still I mean you're still very bullish uh, long term on commodities in general, right? Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. Yep. so it's and that yep. would go with your weaker dollar, right? Uh, it would go with the weak, weaker dollar that would assist the commodity upturn, and even with the pullback we've had in the Bloomberg Commodity Index this year from the high of the year that is, uh, it's still up much more than the S and P is on the year. And people tend to forget that. They say, oh, look, you know, commodities are doing nothing. Well, admittedly, half the commodities are doing nothing. The, the eating commodities, the food commodities, meats and grains are still near their lows. So they've mm-hmm. not participated yet. And we think next year they're going to be the stellar, probably the outperforming half of the commodity complex instead of it being oil, which is outperformed mm-hmm. this year relative to grains, let's say. Uh, it certainly gold is outperformed versus the grains. It's next year, I think the grains could really uh, come from behind and uh, and help boost the commodity index. So the stuff you eat is going to matter next year. Oh well, that's that's not a good thing for average folks. That's for sure. For it, uh, folks, it, right. It's uh, very very disconcerting. Right. Uh, as David Stockman was talking uh, in an article he wrote yesterday, I didn't get a chance to read what he wrote today, but very disconcerting to him that um, you know he's, he's losing hope that Trump is going to make much of a difference in terms of his monetary policy. It seems as though he's probably not going to uh, have the intestinal fortitude that, uh, that that David Stockman's boss had in allowing Volcker to mm-hmm. raise rates, allow the 
the interest rates to go where the market would take them. Uh, it seems uh, as if anything, Mr. Trump may be looking to just gun it, you know, just goose it, and uh, maybe maybe that's what your market's seeing there, and uh, your well, your momentum let's, work let's is suggesting. That, let's assume the best. Let's assume he's going to do the things that we might like to see, or yeah. undo some things we might like to see undone. Right. Uh, even if that's true, uh, it takes time for things like that to have an effect. Let's say he cuts taxes uh, sharply for, for business, for example. Uh, that's not going to be an instant cure. You know, no. It might take a year and a half or so before that sets in and has a, a, a measurable impact. And sure. there's a lot of negatives that are built into the system now, pricing errors in various sure. markets caused by five, six years of central bank excess. Sure. That probably will trump pardon me, anything <laughs> positive that Trump might do. Because, yeah. you know, you need to have the cleansing before you can have the upside. Well, I think it even happened to Reagan. You know, things turned around during his administration, but there was a very sharp 22% drop. Oh, yeah. It was post well, high yeah. know, until 1982 low. Yeah. So Well, that, that was exactly Stockman's point, that Reagan left it happen early in his administration, uh, sort of um, cleansed the system, in a, at least to a degree, Allowing then uh, for some very substantial capital formation, and you know, and not all this malinvestment and horrible pricing, um, lack of price discovery, and all manner of markets. Starting with the, uh, you know, I like to say that uh, it's very difficult to have capitalism if you're not allowing price discovery of capital, right, Michael? Absolutely, you don't have capitalism. You don't have capitalism. We've they've taken it away from us. So you have what Mussolini invented. Uh, which and, is the, uh, the the form of socialism in which you get to keep your deed, but that's all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if only if only the masses could understand, and if only yeah. our schools would teach uh, how capitalism works and why it is the most just system, and the system that rewards good behavior and punishes bad behavior, or good results and punishes bad results, we would be so much better off, Michael. I know you do the best you can to educate people with your book. Uh, tell the people your your book again. The title of your book. Uh, the, the title is "The New Libertarianism: Anarcho-Capitalism." It's available yeah. on Amazon.com. It's a philosophical book and is not current. Uh, it's not filled with current news or anything of the sort. Uh, so it's very much an idea book. It's a fairly short book, 168 pages, but it's uh, it's philosophical. So it's it's well, not it's an I, it, it's philosophical and it's I, and um, uh, it's philosophical. But it is time proven. I mean, it isn't time sensitive in in terms of those philosophies and the way human beings function and the way we work and the way we operate. That doesn't change with time. So I think it's I think it's a timeless book, actually, Michael. I, I just it's an excellent book. Well, I hope so. That is all, that is all the time we have uh, this week. Uh, well, thank hope you, to Jay. Have you back next week, Michael. Thank you so much for being with See you us. Bye bye. And okay, well, folks, uh, we're going to go to commercial break now, but don't go away because William Angle will be here to talk about his views on what is the real purpose of Donald Trump. What is the real reason that he is in there as president? What is the real agenda of Donald Trump? And we'll explore that with William Engel. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Ariane Phosphate is the owner of the world's largest greenfield phosphate project. Unlike other fertilizer nutrients such as potash and nitrogen, phosphate is in deficit in most areas of the world, including right here in North America. It has no substitute and is necessary if we're to grow our crops. Unlike the Middle East and North Africa, which controls most of the world's phosphate, Ariane is situated in mining-friendly Quebec and once in production, will reduce North America's growing reliance on foreign supply. With a market cap representing just 4% of its $2 billion NPV, Ariane may be the answer to growth in investors' portfolios while ensuring the safety of our food supply. Ariane, D-A-N on the TSXV and D-R-R-S-F in the U.S. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Well, unfortunately, uh, William Engdahl, we've not been able to get a hold of him. He is in Germany. He lives there, and uh, he was scheduled to be with us. There must be some time difference, uh, some issue that has come up, and he is not available. We were looking forward to talking to him about his views on what uh, the real purpose of Donald Trump or what the agenda of Donald Trump really was and some very interesting ideas about that. But we're very fortunate to have Jeff Dice join us, and Jeff will probably have some ideas uh, about that as well. Thanks for joining me on this uh, uh, on this short notice, Jeff. Yeah, Jay, it's great to be with you, and I would love to hear someone across the pond talking about Trump because we've heard the I think we've heard maybe as much as we can stand from our own people about it. Oh, my goodness. Regurgitation, day in, day out, it's too much. Well, Engdahl's uh, thesis, Jeff, and just just, uh, just throw this at you, and I would love to hear what Daniel McAdams has to say about this as well, because it is geopolitical. Engdahl, I don't know if you're familiar with, has written a book called The Gods of Money. Uh, he's written another one recently uh, called The Lost Hegemon. Uh, whom the gods would destroy, uh, A Century of War is another book, a very prolific writer and historian. And his thesis is that essentially uh, that, uh, what, that, that the deep state, whoever that is, and he has his ideas who the deep state is, uh, are really concerned, uh, are really that Trump is not somebody that they're opposed to, in fact, even though it would appear that the mainstream was definitely uh, anti-Trump and then some. But his idea is that uh, what, Trump is really doing is sort of a, a, a divide and conquer, or that he is meant to be uh, sort of a, a divide and conquer uh, strategy that would get in the way of the growing global um, trade that's going on between, uh, let's say, the one, the one bridge, one road, or the Silk Road that is being built up, the infrastructure that's being built up between China, India, uh, Russia, Iran. Uh, and, you know, they're setting up their own trading infrastructure, their own banking infrastructure. Uh, when we tried to, to, to freeze Russia out of the SWIFT system, uh, the BRICS set up their own trading system, their own banking system, and so on and so forth. Um, 
does that sound like a really crazy idea that you know whether or not it's it's intended that that could be uh, because Trump has seemed to make some overtures or at least open the door to the possibility of a less frigid relationship with with Russia with Putin at the same time he's just been nasty as nails with respect to China I don't think it's crazy First and foremost, it depends on one's personal view of, of what the deep state is and whether it exists. I certainly believe it exists, and I certainly think to a large extent, not entirely, but to a large extent, it steers the ship. So from that perspective, uh, you know, elites don't necessarily fear Trump in the way uh, progressives do or mainstream media types do because they feel like, Trump will cause a wage at the service, but below the service, they'll continue to drive things that, that benefit them in, in the long term. You know, that said, I think there is some legitimate angst about him. I, think, I don't think he's some sort of plant. I don't think he was put up to this. I don't think he was anticipated. And the fact that he's come along and thrown a populist wrench into what seemed like this inevitability narrative uh, mm-hmm. of our globalist friends, is, is th- this is very, very important and, and not planned. And I think the fact that he's not bellicose with Russia um, is, is of huge concern to U.S. neoconservatives, Western neoconservatives. Uh, and, and let's face it, the, the current economic world order is not particularly in the BRIC countries' long-term interests. They have their own interests. Yeah. Uh, they have their own energy, their own markets. Uh, so it's, you know, I'm not one of these people who says, well, this is meaningless and behind the scenes they're all pulling the strings. I, I really do think that this was a disruption of sorts. Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly something, as you point out, the, you know, the Brexit and now in France, uh, it seems like no matter who wins the next, the, the big election in France, you're going to have more of a populist government there. What is your understanding of, of the picture in France. I know that you've met up with Marie Le Pen in the past when you were uh, when you were working with Congressman Paul. Yeah, I, it appears now increasingly likely that she's not going to prevail as, as in the election, but um, the fact of the matter is that not only her party, but also events in Europe, particularly in Germany, with Syrian immigrants, has, has pulled all European governments and hence all European politicians uh, more towards a right populist position, and you know it's not it's not xenophobic, uh, a term that is thrown around much too loosely. It's not xenophobic to love one's country uh-huh. in its ways. It, it's that's not nationalism. Nationalism is wanting to impose the ways of one's country on others. Uh-huh. So uh, I get a little tired of this Western media penchant for labeling anything that involves any kind of immigration restrictions as far right. Because yeah. if you talk to, if you talk, look at Le Pen's platform. If you look at the platform of uh, AFD uh, in in Germany, if you look at the platform of uh, some of the parties in far right, so called parties in the Netherlands, they're actually very, you know, they want to increase pensions, they want to increase welfare spending. Um, so the only thing that's right about them is is they're not crazy about immigration. So we, I think, we have to understand that what's happening in Europe shouldn't be understood through the filter of the media we get. It should be understood from a common sense perspective, which is people in France, in beautiful Paris, don't like having uh, huge, dangerous neighborhoods full of Muslim immigrants that, that are crime-ridden and they can't go to. Uh, mm. This is common sense. This isn't xenophobia, Jay. No, 
Oh, and so certainly seeing pictures of Paris, even Paris uh, is is cluttered and littered with, with ugliness. It's um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's easy to understand. Well, on the economic front, uh, Trumponomics, which uh, David Stockman wrote about yesterday and again today, uh, he's uh, he's not too hopeful. And I think you would certainly agree with David's uh, contention that uh, it's not very promising so far. Uh, the people that Trump seems to be pulling close to him uh, in terms of the economics. So we don't have, I guess we haven't had a, a Treasury Secretary yet unless it's announced in the last few hours or so. Uh, what are your, What is your sense of where, where Trumponomics might go? Because David is saying, well, you know, what we really need to do uh, is really an Austrian prescription is, uh, you know, go back to price discovery for capital, for goodness sakes, um, and, you know, and, and cleanse uh, I think he said Lance the Boyle, you know, let's go back. He said at least uh, during uh, when he was with his boss, uh, Ronald Reagan, at least Reagan wasn't a genius when it came to economics, but he did understand that you couldn't have endless amounts of money creation and debt creation without creating, without the system breaking down at some point. And Stockman is suggesting he doesn't see any indication at this point in time that, uh, that uh, Trump has any such understanding. No, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't, but um, what's important to understand here is that he, he is a populist. He ran as a populist, not as a libertarian, yeah. not as a su- supply-side mainstream conservative. And I'm frankly encouraged. I mean, I like the fact that he's at least spoken with John Allison, who used to be the head of Cato um, and, and was a bank president for many years and has written some, some papers and, and a book talking about getting rid of the Fed, that as long as we have a Fed, there will always be bubbles and dislocations. Um, I'm glad he's spoken, uh, apparently, uh, to uh, the the, uh, congresswoman from Hawaii, who is very anti-neocon and and very much in favor of a balanced worldview. I'm glad he's spoken to Thomas Massey, the congressman from Kentucky, who's a a friend of of Ron Paul and Rand Paul, and um, who's a guy with a tech background who has a bunch of patents to his name. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if Gary Johnson was doing these things, libertarians would be trumpeting them. Uh, so, uh, you know, if he if we end up with Petraeus and Rudy Giuliani and Mitt Romney and and Bolton and people like this in the cabinet, you know, obviously that's we, we know what that means. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, the fact that he's talking to people outside the normal Washington uh, sphere. It is a good thing. So we're, you know, but his actions are going to tell the story. So we'll, we won't really know until January. Well, what do you, I mean, who are some names besides, I mean, all those are horrible possibilities for Secretary of State. Is there anybody that that might fit fit in with Trump? I mean, if you just take what Trump said during the, uh, during the elections or during the uh, campaign when he was talking about, um, you know, his foreign policy, which would have been, Less intrusive, perhaps. Although at the same time, he's talking about making military, making America's, America's military great again, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, is, is there anybody out there? I mean, I, I mean, there's there's just almost no nobody out there that would fit our desire as libertarians, Jeff. I mean, can you think of anybody? I mean, Trump. By his nature, isn't a libertarian. Ron Paul's a libertarian. He lives it. He breathes it. He is a, a freedom-loving res- human being who respects the rights of every of everybody else. And the last thing I think that your ex-boss Ron Paul would ever want to be is a dictator, a, a, a strong-arm guy. And Trump seems to be that kind of a personality. It, it just seems difficult. Could there be anybody on the horizon for Secretary of State that might work with Trump? Well, Can you I think, think of there's. Anybody? A- 
I think there's a couple of choices. First of all, it's not Secretary of Defense. This doesn't have to be uh, someone yeah. who's beloved, a rah-rah troop supporter. Hillary certainly wasn't beloved by the troops. John Kerry isn't. So I think a Rand Paul or a Dana Rohrabacher from California, someone who has talked about being less bellicose with regard to this engagement in Syria, someone who's talked about uh, being less bellicose in the, in the war on terror, uh, you know, would be great. And frankly, both, both Rand Paul and Dana Rohrabacher have said things in the past that mostly comport with Trump, that Rand Paul has suggested that we shouldn't be allowing uh, Islamic immigrants from certain terror watchlist countries in to the country. Um, so he hasn't always sounded like a dovish libertarian either. So, uh, yeah, I think there are names, but when it comes to foreign policy, there is such an entrenched D.C. worldview, and that is, yeah. that is controlled by neoconservatives. It, it, it would be almost earth-shaking if he chose someone outside of the neoconservative framework, like a Rand Paul or a Dana. That would get him a lot of heat very quickly. Yeah, well, let's say he chooses somebody that is, you know, one of those names that we're hearing every day. Uh, let's say a Romney or, or a Petraeus or somebody like that. I mean, geez, I perish the thought. But the point is, could he control them? Or would he not? He wouldn't have the knowledge that's needed, probably, and the connections that's needed to really keep them under wraps. Let's say that Trump had a well-defined foreign policy in his own mind. Could he could he do anything about it, or would this military-industrial complex be so powerful that they would make darn sure that he went along with it? It's hard to say. I don't think we can ever expect a non-interventionist worldview f- from Trump, but we could expect an America First worldview from Trump that might result in in less engagement for our troops around the world. And that might be the best we could hope for. And I would love to see that. I would love to see uh, some kind of unwinding of what's happening in Iraq and Afghanistan where we still have thousands of troops. Uh, some kind of de-escalation uh, of, you know, of our threats in Syria. Uh, you know, these, these may sound like, like uh, small victories, but I would absolutely take them given what we know uh, Hillary would have done, which would be to ratchet up everything to prove herself as, as a leader and to, uh, uh, you know, she was absolutely owned by neoconservatives. So there's right. a glimmer well, of hope. All right, Jeff. Well, we'll have to leave it go at that. A glimmer of hope is a good place to stop. We're out of time. I want to thank you so much for, uh, for coming on on such short notice uh, and uh, tell the folks that uh, they should go to Mises.org, Mises.org. Uh, Jeff writes, and he, uh, he heads up that organization now, and you've got a lot of good things there, Jeff, and I would love for our people to pay more attention to what you're doing there at Mises.org. Lots of good scholars and lots of great ideas, libertarians. It's a libertarian free market website, uh, and if you understand the virtues of free markets, you don't want to miss Mises.org. Thank you so much, Jeff, for being with us. And folks, that is all the time we have. Next week, we're going to have John Williams with us. We're going to ask him about his hyperinflation thesis. So it should be something you won't want to miss next week. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Novo Resources focuses on the exploration and development of gold projects. Its flagship asset is the Beaton's Creek Gold Project in Western Australia, where it is currently processing a 30,000-ton bulk sample. Novo also controls 100% interest in the Blue Speck Gold Antimony Project, where it is conducting a 10,000-meter drill program. The company has over $7 million in cash and enjoys strong shareholder support from the likes of Eric Sprott and Newmont Mining. It trades in Canada and the U.S. under the symbols NVO and NSRPF respectively.